You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Have you ever wondered who the Mary was from Bloody Mary? If the Loch Ness Monster was real or if Ouija boards actually worked? On each episode of the family-friendly Unspookable, we look at the histories and mysteries behind your favorite scary stories, myths, and urban legends to get the real stories behind the scares. Want to solve your next mystery? Find and follow Unspookable now wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you walk into a gallery in a museum and you see a pile of candy. Like 150, 175 pounds of candy just laying out there for anyone to take. You look around, probably think, eh, maybe I shouldn't, but you just can't resist taking a piece to eat and enjoy as you walk around. You know, it's, it's forbidden fruit. And that is the treat given to us by Felix Gonzalez Torres. I feel like who art ed? Who art Who art ed? Mr. Wood art ed me. <laughs> yeah. Either way, it, it's ambiguous. It works on so many levels. I know. That's a great start. Welcome to Who Arted, where we explore visual arts in an audio medium. I'm your host, Kyle Wood. And joining me today, once again, I have my good friend, Courtney Rudolph. Thanks for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. I love chatting with you about art and it's just fun. So thanks for inviting me again. I love that you're always up for anything. So <laughs> today we're talking about Felix Gonzalez Torres. Uh, were you familiar with his work before? No, I'm not familiar with his work that I know of. And that's why I say I love that you're like up for anything, even though you weren't familiar with him, ready to talk to me about Felix Gonzalez Torres and his artwork. He was born in Guillermo, Cuba, uh, born November 26, 1957. And I guess in 1971, so let's see, uh, math, he would be, what, 14 years old there? He and his sister... Gloria, were sent to Madrid. His parents sent him to Madrid where he stayed at an orphanage until he was able to settle with his aunt and uncle in Puerto Rico. And so then he studied art at uh, the University of Puerto Rico in San Juan. In 1979, he moved from Puerto Rico to New York City where he continued studying art. Um, in 1986, then, he got to travel to Europe. He studied in Venice. Uh, 1987, he earned his MFA from, that's his Master's in Fine Arts uh, degree from New York University. Uh, and then he later on went on to teach at NYU and the California Institute of Arts. Wow. When you share that with me, the first thing that comes to my brain is how resilient he must be in your teens to get, you know, to move to another country and, you know, to be, you know, you're staying in an orphanage. So that gives me the idea that mom and dad were not a part of his life at that time. 
Um, so it sounds like there was a lot going on in this young man's life. Um, and I think about how much, how resilient he must have been to go through all that. Um, and then to, you know, on the other side of it, travel the world, um, get degrees from NYU, which is an incredible accomplishment in and of itself. And, And then to become a professor at NYU and, you know, California Institute of Arts, that is incredible. I'm blown away by this man. Yeah. And, and like I say, you know, I always start off with that historical context because I think it's really important to understand the artwork to understand like who was producing it. And, you know, he was born in Cuba in the time of Castro and, and, you know, not great relations between the U S and Cuba. We have so many stories uh, that are just heartbreaking of people fleeing some pretty bad conditions and, you know, relations between the U S and Cuba historically have not been that great for the, throughout the 20th century. And, he, you know, his parents were trying to give him better opportunities, first going to Madrid and then to Puerto Rico and then on to to New York. And like you say, that takes some resilience because even in the best of circumstances, moving that much to so many very different places, mm-hmm. um, that's hard. Mm-hmm. That is that is really hard. Um and, and if you talk to a fourteen, I'm sorry to interrupt. If yeah. you talk to a fourteen year old about what it's like to just pick up and move, just moving as a you know, as a teenager, I think is, you know, it takes a lot and it there's a lot of parts to it that are, you know, challenging and positive. And then, you know, like when you add in moving this to the, a new country, like I think that adds another layer. And then when you um then he's going to stay in an orphanage. So, you know, then there's that layer. You know, I just think that there's a lot. There is a lot, but but also as so many times I've heard in stories of people who come to America, he was really proud of his citizenship and being a part of the community in his adopted homeland, mm-hmm. you know? Um, be, I think because it was so hard for him to get there, mm-hmm. you get the sense there's a lot of pride in that he did get there. Mm-hmm. And and that's one of the things I've I've read over and over in different in different sources. And in 1987, you know, he joined a group called, he joined Group Material, an artist collective that was focused on community education and cultural activism. And I, I think that really informed a lot of his work. They, they were trying to raise awareness of different things. I know you, you and I both grew up in the 80s and 90s and would have a lot of these cultural touchstones, one of the things that he was big on was raising awareness for the AIDS epidemic. Um, You know, he was someone who came to America from Cuba. He was a part, he was not a part of the, the dominant culture. He was an immigrant and he was also a gay man in the time of AIDS, which if you, I don't know if you recall this, it wasn't always called AIDS. It used to be called GRID. Um, early on, they called it GRID for gay-related immunodeficiency something. Um, wow. Because, because in the early days, they thought it was something that was just affecting the gay community. It was not seen as something that was affecting everybody. And so 
collectives like group material were trying to raise awareness. Break away from the... um, The mindset that it's just one group of people who are affected Mm -hmm. because anybody could be affected. For sure. You know? Scientifically, they didn't know yet that it could have... Right. They were just... It was prevalent in this community. And so then they just thought that... Well, yeah. I mean, people didn't know a a lot, although at the same time, they kind of did or should have scientifically because it was popping up through people having transfusions and stuff like that. Like it it wasn't exclusively in one community, but, you know, people had that those blinders on. And that was that was a big thing and a big theme in a lot of his work was trying to create awareness of that that problem that crossed cultural boundaries because early in the early days, people didn't realize it crossed cultural boundaries. Mm-hmm. And so most of his work, most of his best known work is about his partner, Ross and the AIDS crisis, as I said. And one of the things I always gravitated to- towards that I found really most interesting, and this gets again at that community piece is a lot of his work, his installations and things like that, they're kind of minimalist, which is not always my favorite thing, but I, I like how he breaks down the barrier between the artists and the viewer. Some of his most famous pieces have been these stacks of unlimited edition prints. And so basically he would tell the museum or the gallery owner, like, okay, you're gonna put out a stack of all these prints. Um, it should be three feet high. And anyone who wants one can take one. And so the idea is you go into a gallery and you get to take home a work of art from a world famous artist, you know, which I think that's kind of cool. I think that's incredible. And just getting it out into the population. It's not this, um, you know, like it's not this like elite, you know, only for this group of people, you know. Yeah. And then if you think about it, in some ways, the audience becomes a collaborator because as people take those prints, it changes the size of the stack. And so it becomes this sort of fluid composition, which I think is kind of cool. Yeah. Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Sleep Cove podcast can help you. Hi, I'm Christopher Fitton the voice and clinical hypnotherapist behind Sleep Cove. Sleep Cove features sleep hypnosis, meditations and bedtime stories, all designed to help those of you who struggle at night to achieve a restful and peaceful night's sleep. Search for Sleep Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see why Sleep Cove helps millions of people sleep deeply all night long. you find it hard to sleep at night then the calm cove podcast can help you sleep deeply all night long calm cove has deeply relaxing meditation music and ambient sounds like ocean waves and crackling fires all of our episodes are designed to help you relax and to fall asleep fast calm cove is brought to you by the team behind sleep cove the sleep podcast that consists of spoken word hypnosis, meditation and stories. 
So if you want to listen to a beautiful soundscape tonight, search for Calm Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see how we're helping millions of people relax and go to sleep every night. And so that's going to, that leads us nicely into the piece that I wanted to talk about. Um, This is one of his more famous pieces, pretty well known. All of his pieces are untitled. He, He like always called it untitled, but some of them have parenthetical titles that give us a little clue, a little information. This one is untitled, um, and then parenthetically, Ross in L.A., or Portrait of Ross in L.A. It's from 1991. And his Ross is his partner. Ross was his partner, yeah. Okay. And so what do you notice about this? What's jumping out to you about this piece? Um, that there's a, It appears to be a woman's hand in the corner holding a piece of candy. And then uh, along the far corner... It looks like lots more candy. Yeah, it is basically a giant pile of candy in the corner, and um, and a giant yeah. pile. <laughs> That's a lot of candy. It is. It is, and the person's hand in the shot just helps to document the interactive element of this piece. The actual piece is he would tell that he would say 175 pounds of candy. And he would specify what the he would specify what kind of candy it should be. These were like uh, sweet, fruity, hard candy that was actually produced in Chicago up until like 2006. I think the company went on went out of business. But um, like he specified what kind of candy it should be, and it should be in this bright colored cellophane um, wrapper. But he would say the ideal weight of se- 175 pounds. I can it, picture this being at like doctor's offices or like your my chiropractor has like a bowl of candy out, you know, and this is like what I picture it. Yeah, it is that like standard candy yeah. that you would see. It's like that we don't see uh, a name, a brand name on it. You know, it's not like those Werther's originals or something stamped on there. It is just colored cellophane pieces, but it's bright and fun looking colors. And I can imagine the taste. Even though, like, I don't know what that one's, but I'm like, oh, I know what that tastes like. Yeah, because that. because it was probably in every grandparent's candy dish for, <laughs> you know. Yep. But one of the things that I find interesting about this is he he wouldn't specify exactly how it had to be laid out. It's typically in a pile, but sometimes it would be laid out in different arrangements, like a a nice rectangle on the floor or something. But it's made to be interactive. And the 175, when when it comes to the, the portrait of Ross in LA, 175 pounds was his ideal body weight. And so... And so it starts off at that ideal... And one of the things I find really interesting about this, and this is, I feel like, minimalism done well. I can see different interpretations to the diminishing of the candy and the people taking away. Because on the one hand, I could see that as symbolic of the way that when people get sick, they they can sort of waste away. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, you can see it as, you know, we're taking these bright, beautiful, shiny pieces of him 
mm-hmm. and every one of us takes in a little piece of him mm-hmm. and he and carry that with us and we mm-hmm. take it in and it becomes a part of us mm-hmm. and he lives on through that mm-hmm. and so like that's one of those things that the the minimalism creates that opening to all those very different interpretations and I have a question. I'm sorry yeah go ahead. no go ahead uh, yeah, I noticed you said ideal body weight. Yeah. Do you know, and I don't know if, I don't know if you know this, do you know if it was, it was he below his ideal body weight? And he was thinking that this would have been like great. Have he, if he was able to like gain weight and be healthier, or was he above that? I was thinking if I could lose weight, then I would be this weight. Uh, I think it's more of I, I think it's more of the former. I think it's it. Uh, my understanding is that you know he kind of started off at around that you know 175 pounds. Like you know he started off as more of a healthy fit person, and the and he was going down because you know um, AIDS attacks someone's immune system and did have AIDS. He did, yes. Oh, okay. He and and so that's how he passed. Okay. So that's okay. I get it. I didn't know. I wasn't sure if he had it or if Ross had it. I knew that it was obviously very. Uh, they both. They both did. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, but. Um, but now that I've brought it down to that miserable level. <laughs> Uh, like I say, I one of the things I find really nice about this, though, is as a work of art, it entices you with something something bright and colorful and literally sweet, and it it invites you to take away a part of that and to be a part of the artwork and to be a part of what that artist is celebrating and to to take that with you. You're right. I think, you know, it's like we're standing there and that's our hand and we're getting ready to enjoy yeah, it. We're taking, we're taking it in. I think it's interesting too, that it's like taking a piece of him in almost like the best part of him, like bright and colorful and the creative, you know, like here, come and enjoy the best of me. And I'm laying it all 175 pounds here for you to enjoy, which is like him thinking candy. But when I think of candy, I don't think living my best life. You know, like if I was looking at 175 pounds of candy, I'm not thinking that that's going to, what's going to make me live my best life or, you know, like share the best of, you know what I mean? Like I wouldn't say that candy was the best of me. If I was going to represent the best of me to share with the world, I wouldn't think of candy. Yeah. But, well, it's interesting because I, I, I see it along similar lines um, with, and I think you said it very nicely, the best of him. Like, because I, I saw it as all 175 pounds is beautiful and shiny and enticing. And, you know, it's saying like every peace oh. is beautiful yeah and and worth taking and worth worth savoring um yeah. and is something special it's a treat and, and enjoying 
And one person taking on 175 pounds of sugar, even by 1991 standards, we would have known that's not going to be leading your best life. Mm -hmm. But what I see it as every piece we get of this person is a treat. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Yes. I like that so much more. And it's for, you know, it's, it's not, you're right. It's not intended for one audience of, you know, to enjoy all 175 pounds. It's for everyone to enjoy a little bit. And then everybody has a little piece of him, you know, like as I'm looking at this uh, artwork for the first time, I'm going to take a little bit of it with me and it's going to continue on my journey with me. Right. And like you and I having this conversation, it's going to take, you know, you and I are going to take a little bit from each other or the conversation we had yesterday, we're each going to take a little bit of it and it's going to be a part of our journey now, you know? Um, and so I like that. I really, really like that message. Yeah. And, and that's what I, that's what I've always found really interesting about his work. Um, and I think that gets to him having to be resilient and having to move around and, you know, be able to work in and become a part of different communities and say goodbye to communities and to people who he loved, starting with his home and his parents in Cuba and then going on, you know, he was taken in by by relatives in Puerto Rico and then he had to say goodbye to them to go to New York. And so, like, he's had to make peace with those different things and I think it is so nice that he found a way for his art to be about that appreciating and savoring and being okay with things not being permanent. And, you know, his artwork, the, the stacks deplete and that's okay. And there can be something beautiful in that too. And there can be meaning in that too. And I I think that that's what's, that's what I find really cool. Even though like typically I'm not a minimalist guy in terms of the aesthetics. Like I, I could so easily walk past it and be like, how lazy is that? Just dump a pile of candy in the corner of a room. Um, But when you start to think about it, it's like, yeah, every bit of that was carefully considered Mm -hmm. to have that impact. And I I think that's, that's really cool. And feel free to cut this part. You can cut this part out at what I'm about to say, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I also think too, at this time, you know, this kind of sharing that like every part of me is beautiful. Every part of me is loved and every part of me is meant to be enjoyed. And every part of me is perfect, you know, and, and meant to be enjoyed by everybody, you know, like I have, you know what I mean? Like, and I think him, like you can't say that I have, you know, this and this and this, but you know what I mean? Like, Love all of me. Love yeah, everything I, that I have to offer. Yeah, I think that that is a good encapsulate. Like it, it's about self-acceptance and celebration of just who you are. And, you know, and recognizing that every bit of you counts and matters. Right. And, and also for the person looking at this, that like this person that I'm looking at, this 175 pounds, they matter. And then everybody that I come in contact with, you know, matters and all of them, you know, yeah, love all of you. I love that. Yeah. And I, th- I think it's and I, again, I think it's cool because 
with the minimalist thing, you can look at it and it, it really is just like a person. You can easily look past and be like, I see that from across the room. I know what that's all about and I don't care. It's, you know, just a pile of candy. But then when you investigate further, you find these different layers of meaning and these different nuances that you didn't appreciate on first glance. Um, and that that's what I take that's what I often take away from like any piece of art that that I dismiss from the start. I I always end up like circling back around and be like, oh, it wasn't bad art. It was my lazy interpretation of it. It was me not recognizing the brilliance of someone else's work because I, I didn't take the time to investigate it far enough. Yeah. Um, I think you can, I, I completely agree with that. And I don't probably critique art as much as you do. You know what I mean? So like, that's definitely new to me. Um, but I think about, um, putting that on people as well. You know, like when you don't click with someone or you don't vibe with someone, um, sometimes it's cause you didn't get to know them well enough, you know, or sometimes when you do kind of butt heads with somebody, um, it's sometimes it's cause you didn't get to know them well enough. And if you kind of go deeper, you'll find that there are commonalities that would make you similar. And sometimes you're way more similar than you think. So I didn't mean to go off on a whole tangent there. But. No, I, I fully appreciate, like, this is why I asked you to do this show because I thought you would probably be the one who would take the things that I'm like hinting at and dancing around and just be like, let's just make the subtext text here. What's, what's the real meaning here? <laughs> and so I thank you for bringing that out. Okay. Is there something else I should say? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, just your honest reactions. Okay. I just, I just, I just knew that you're like that rad person who is like seeing stuff and making connections and, and, you know, I, I didn't want to coach it. I just wanted someone who would naturally bring it out and because I have a tendency to be a little bit pompous and esoteric with a lot of things and so I need you to just like put it in real terms that should I talk about (laughs) I did what should I talk about the research I did (laughs) (laughs) okay no that'll be fine no so anything else you want to say about it no, but I always enjoy this because I'm like you. Like when I did the last one and when we did this one, I was like, okay, like I'm not really good at critiquing art, but you and I always get into this really good conversation and I'm always worried that I'm going to take it in a way that you didn't intend. Um, but I always love that you're so open to like, and I don't know if you have a list of things that you want to say or like, I hope we talk about this. Um, but I really appreciate you just being open and like, you're never like, make sure you say this you know, or anything like it is really just an authentic, genuine conversation. And I appreciate you being open and sharing your art with me. So thank you. Oh, thank you. I, like I said, I'm, I'm not trying to script something. I don't have the time to write that. Right. Um, you know, I just, I, I just want to capture authentic reactions. This season, I've been wrapping it up by forcing people into a really inauthentic and unnatural way of closing it out. Great. And I'm wrapping it up. I want just a three-point rating scale. And where should this hang? The Louvre? Is this something to look at? The lab? lab. Is this something to learn from? Or the Louvre? British for the bathroom. Yeah. There's a poop joke in there somewhere. Oh, that's terrible. 
I think it needs to be somewhere it can be discussed where I feel like, and I don't go to museums as much as I should, but like, I feel like just seeing that piece, I don't know that I would have gotten as much out of it. Um, and truly seen the beauty without like the conversation. So like, I wonder if it should be in a lab. Is that where the learning happened? Yeah. Yeah. So like, I kind of feel like it needs to have like someone that explains the background of, um, Felix Gonzalez Torres and like explain like what was going on and like the layers that make this so beautiful. Cause I think that like you said, you can look and be like, Oh, okay. It's like, if I was walking past this in a museum, I might be like, okay, it's a pile of candy. Yeah. I'd like a piece that sounds good, but like really digging into like what was going on in society and the ideal body weight, like all of that, like is, is really important in this. And I don't know if that would be like listed below in a museum. Um, but I think the, the things that we talked about, like self-acceptance and, you know, societal acceptance and things like that and like self-love and all of that, like, I think that needs to be around for the ages. And I think that if people were able to see this, like that's inspiring, you know, yeah. like, well, it doesn't inspire me to make art. It inspires me to live in a way that sees the beauty in everything and everyone because there is beauty in everything and there is beauty in everyone. If you take the time to like see it and you, you have an open heart to enjoy it. Um, so that I think needs to be around for ever. Yeah. I, I, I pretty much agree with everything you said, except that like, I, I'd still put it in a museum because I feel like, as you said, like the title card in the museum, it's going to give you some of that background information. It's okay. not going to, it's not going to tell you what your conclusions should be, but it will tell you, you know, 175 pounds r- referencing, you know, his partner and, you know, like oh. it gives you some of that background context. And I, I feel like it is a piece that, that is beautiful and should be in a public space. Yeah to, to be appreciated and, and taken in by the masses. Um, and like you say, it's a timeless message about acceptance of self and acceptance and, and actually beyond acceptance, but appreciation. Yeah. I like that distinction. I like that distinction. You know? Um, and I think, I think it's a beautiful piece and, and timeless in that aspect. I agree. And I think it's way more beautiful now that we like have talked about it. And I, I appreciate it so much more than a pile of candy. And I appreciate your taking the time to come and help me record this podcast. So thank you very much for taking the time to join me. Thank you. Thank you. Let me know if you want to do it again. <laughs> I need to keep doing these podcasts so I can educate myself on more art. And then I can go and talk to people and be like, oh, you didn't know about Philly, uh, Felix Gonzalez Torres. Let me let me educate you on this amazing artist. He is pretty rad, isn't he? I know. I know. It's cool. It's like opening up my eyes to, yeah. yeah and I'm definitely inspired because I like his message and I like what he's sharing. This concludes this week's episode of Who Arted. If you found this tolerable, please like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. You can find images of the work being discussed this week and every week in the show notes on Twitter at WoodArtEd and on the website whoartedpodcast.com. Podcast done.